Amen. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 13 as we continue in our series in the book of Exodus, Free at Last. Uh, and I've entitled this sermon, Up from Slavery, Part 2. Up from Slavery, Part 2. Exodus 13, the Lord said to Moses, consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beast is mine. And Moses said to the people, remember this day in which you came out from Egypt, out of the house of slavery, for by a strong hand the Lord brought you out from this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten today in the month of Abib. You are going out. And when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give to you a land flowing with milk and honey, you shall keep this service in this month. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten for seven, seven days. <clears throat> unleavened bread shall be eaten for seven days. No leavened bread shall be seen with you. And no leaven shall be seen with you in, your, in all your territory. You shall tell your son on that day. It is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. And it shall be to you as a sign on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth. For with a strong hand, the Lord has brought you out of Egypt." You shall therefore keep this statue at its appointed time from year to year. When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to you and your fathers, and shall give it to you, you shall set apart, set apart to the Lord all that first opens the womb. All the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with the lamb, or if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. Every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. And when in time to come your son asks you, what does this mean? You shall say to him, by a strong hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. For when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of animals. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all the males that first opened the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. Shall be as a mark on your hand, your frontless between your eyes, for by a strong hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea, and the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Succoth and camped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. The Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night did not depart from the people. This is the Word of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, give us 
today together as all of us sit under the authority of your word, Lord. Give us insight into your word by the power of the Spirit, Lord. Apply this word to our lives. Help us to lay it up in our hearts and practice it in our lives. Lord, I pray that you, by the power of your Spirit, through the work of Jesus, would speak now to us, your people. We are listening. Amen. Amen. Uh, On June 19th, 1865, General Gordon Granger rode to Galveston, Texas with his troops and announced to the people there General Order Number 3, the beginning of which read, the people of Texas are informed that in accordance with the proclamation from the executive of the United States, all slaves are free. This involves an absolute equality of rights and rights of property between former masters and slaves, and the connection heretofore existing between them becomes that between employer and hired laborer. In just a few months following this announcement, the U.S. Congress would ratify the 13th Amendment, abolishing slavery in these United States of America. And though it was announced frustratingly some two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation, General Order Number 3 became the beginnings of a celebration which is just now growing in popularity across this country. Juneteenth has become an occasion for both reflection and celebration as the descendants of former slaves together with many across the nation both remember, celebrate, hope for, and hopefully commit themselves to working toward a better future. Now some would say that in that it is in the remembering, in the reflection, in the consecrating of this day and days like this that is the problem. We just need to move past the past, they would say. Uh, Yes, it happened, but reflecting on it, remembering it, and working to better understand it only keeps us stuck relationally, socially, and institutionally in division. We just need to get over it, to stop talking about it, to stop writing about it, to to stop teaching it in our schools. We just need to work it out of our national consciousness. But I'm glad today that as a Christian, I am a part of a story of being brought up from slavery, that I am not only encouraged to remember and reflect upon, but commanded to. (laughs) I, together with all my brothers and sisters throughout history and into the present, am a part of a people who have, been, who, who have embedded into our experience as a community sacraments that function not just as memorials, but as signs and seals of the deliverance that God has won for us. Uh, they, they function as a, as a visible demonstration and, 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 and a spiritual confirmation that, that our deliverance is certain and sure. Indeed, we, we are commanded in them to, to reflect back on where we were and what God did to take us from where we were to where we are now in our relationship to Him. We, we are commanded in, in these things to celebrate what God has done and to rejoice in the deliverance that He has secured for us. For the people of old, these signs and seals were provided through a number of festivals and events. For us, they are summed up in the Lord's Supper and baptism, which you just uh, 
saw this morning. And of course, it's primarily the Lord's Supper as a, as a fulfillment of the Passover meal uh, that's in view in, 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 a, in a, a chunk of this text. But, but nonetheless, both sacraments convey the blessings of deliverance we have received through faith in Jesus Christ. The point is that we as a people are not to forget our former slavery, but to remember it, to remember it, to remember what God has done and what that means for our life and our witness in the present. We are not to write it out of our story in some belief that remembering it only keeps us trapped in its negative consequences. No, we are to remember it, to embrace the sign and seal of it in order that we might be empowered through it to live before God, before our fellow Christian family members, and before our neighbors as folk who are no longer slaves, but the Lord's free men and women. In point of fact, our remembering is not purely cognitive, but experiential. We ought to remember through the experience of the benefits of our deliverance being signed and sealed to us and through the experience of living it out in our lives. And so, I say again, I am thankful this morning that I serve a God who doesn't want me to forget my past, but to remember from whence and what He has saved me, that I might live toward Him and toward others in the freedom that He has won for me. Amen, people of God. We are called, we are called in these covenant signs and seals, we are called to remember. We are called to remember. Let me give you some things that you're called to remember this morning. We're called to remember to whom we belong. We are called to remember to whom we belong. The Lord said to Moses, consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and beast is mine. Verse 11, when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to to you and your fathers, and shall give it to you, you shall set apart to the Lord all that first opens the womb, all the firstborn of your animals and and your males shall be the Lord's. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb, or if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. Every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. And when in time to come, your son asks you, what does this mean? You shall say to him, by a strong hand, the Lord brought us up out of Egypt from the house of slavery. For when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of animals. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all the males that first opened the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. It shall be as a mark to you on your hand or frontless between your eyes. For by a strong hand, the Lord brought you, brought us out of Egypt." One of the messages then embedded in the covenant that God makes with His people is the truth that we are, in fact, His people. We belong to Him. Slavery, then, in addition to being an affront to our created purpose to to image God in this world, is also an affront to God's ownership of us as His creation, generally, and to the special ownership that God proclaims over those who have put their faith in Him as God. And I use the term ownership in keeping with God's character, for to belong to God is to belong to the one who in all His attributes is perfect, and all His attributes is good. 
It is to belong to the one who is good in all that he is and all, all that he does. It is therefore to belong to the one who, who in all his thoughts and actions toward us intends us good. Pharaoh then, and indeed all of those who have participated in or are participating in the slavery of others are simply making a claim that is not theirs to make. What, 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 they, what, what, what they have actually done, uh, what they're actually doing is stealing in the enslaving of others what belongs to God. Let that sink in for a moment. Slavers in the past and slavers in the present weren't and aren't simply stealing from the human community. They were and are stealing from God. And of course, when, when this stealing involves those who are bound to him in covenant, the theft is even more egregious. J- just consider for a moment that, that people who named the name of Christ not only stole men historically, but possessed them as slaves. They were not hired servants. They had no realistic means of gaining their freedom. They were not treated with human dignity. They were torn from their families. They were torn from their marriages. They were treated as breeders. They were beaten. They weren't made to labor without the prospect of enjoying the fruits of that labor. And that's just some of the reality of what they endured. Now, now set this in the context of what I just said, that the only owner of human beings is the Lord. And, and, And you will have to conclude that slavery is robbery and robbery of the worst sort because it's robbery of what belongs to God. Thus, this practice of consecrating all the firstborn male of animals and the firstborn of human beings was to be a reminder to Israel throughout her generations of his ownership of everything that Israel had, especially his ownership of all of life. Israel was to bring all the firstborn to him as, as a symbol of this truth. Firstborn male animals that were, that, that, that were not needed for work were to be offered as sacrifices, and firstborn animals that were needed were required to be bought back to be redeemed at a price. And if the animal was not needed and was, and was, and was not being offered as a sacrifice, then it was to be destroyed. And this was to reinforce that everything belonged to God, and human beings were not not to determine themselves what to do with what belonged to him. God decided that. And in the case of human beings, the firstborn had to be redeemed, that is, bought back with a price. Only in the rarest cases did God keep a firstborn away from the family for his own purposes. Think, for instance, about Samuel being brought by Hannah and left to be raised in the temple by the priest to serve God. But human beings, of course, were never to be sacrificed, except in the case of one. (laughs) For this whole ceremony pointed to a future firstborn male who would in fact be handed over and sacrificed. Only in his case, the sacrifice would be to buy back once and for all those whom God would redeem from the grips of slavery to sin and death. His blood paid the price, not only for his generation and the generations afterwards, but for all generations, past, present, and future. His sacrifice is the key act through which those of us who are Christians have come to belong to God and belong to him not just in a general sense as his creation, but belong to him in that special sense of being his chosen people, his children, his sons, his daughters. We, 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 we don't belong, we, 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 we don't belong, we don't belong to the literal or figurative 
pharaohs of this world. We belong to God. And the sacraments we celebrate, they're faithful reminders, faithful signs and seals of that truth. So don't forget your baptism. And don't neglect the Lord's Supper. Make every effort to remember them and to participate in them as believers. For in them, we are reminded to whom we belong. And we belong to God. Amen, people of God. Amen. Remembering, remembering, remembering that we belong to the triune God sets all other allegiances in their proper place. As servants of the King of Kings, as children of God, we are obligated to Him. We are obliged to walk in His ways in all our relationships, remembering that God's name is on us and that we have been united to Christ in His death and His resurrection. And so the Scriptures tell us things like this in Romans 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Or consider what John says to us in 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. By this we know love. He laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has his world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Or consider the word of God in Ephesians chapter 2. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Jesus Christ, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down his flesh, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. What, what, what I'm saying in all those passages is our bodies belong to the Lord. And how we use them matter to him. Our resources belong to the Lord. And how we use them matters to Him. Our brothers and sisters in Christ belong to the Lord. And how we treat them matters to Him. We belong to God. And that has impact in how we live our lives in this world. Amen, people of God. So God's covenant signs and seals invite us to remember, to remember to whom we belong. They also invite us to remember from where you have come. Remember from where you have come. Then Moses said to the people, remember this day, verse 3, in which you came out from Egypt, out of the house of slavery. By a strong hand, the Lord brought you out from this place. No unleavened bread shall be eaten today in the month of Abib. You are going out. When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give to you a land flowing with milk and honey, you shall keep this service in this month. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. 
Unleavened bread shall be eaten for seven days. No unleavened bread shall be seen with you, and no leaven shall be seen with you in all your territory. You shall tell your son on that day, it is because of what the Lord did for me when I came up out of Egypt. And there shall be to you as a sign on your hand, as a memorial between your eyes, that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth, for with a strong hand the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. You shall therefore keep this statute at its appointed time from year to year. The Feast of Unleavened Bread, which commences with the Passover meal, was to be celebrated for seven days. God Himself tells His people what the point of this celebration is about. Again, remember this day in which you came out from Egypt, out of the house of slavery, for by a strong hand the Lord brought you out from this place. And what were parents to tell their children about the meaning of this festival? It is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. This this festival then was to be a yearly reminder of what God had delivered His people from. And I I want you to miss the import here of passing on or passing this down, uh, passing down the meaning of this to children and subsequent generations. I think there's a special point in this if we just consider what slavery does to the human community. Think, Think about children beholding the situation and conditions under which their parents were laboring. Think about the the personal impact of this on their own childhood. And if you just just want a brief biblical window into what those conditions must have been like, just consider that the first Pharaoh, who did not know Joseph, was prepared to have all the male children of the Israelites killed in order to stave off any potential threat that the nation of Israel might become within his own nation. He, He was prepared, in other words, to rip families apart to accomplish his purposes. And we know from our own history that such egregious actions as as separating mothers from their children and husbands from their families took place alongside all the other brutalities, sexual, otherwise, that were perpetrated on human beings created in the image of God. My point is that God wanted Israel to remember that Egypt was a house of bondage. It, It was a house where sin and death manifested itself in concrete form in the oppression of Israel. And this yearly reminder, of course, was was to prepare them for the great deliverance that God would bring through the Messiah, Jesus. It it was to prepare them for the deliverance that He would bring, not just from the particular sin of oppression, as I said last week, but from sin in all of its forms and from death which flows from them. Slavery is destructive. It destroys families, it destroys communities, it destroys individuals. And if this is true of human slavery, it is most certainly true of the spiritual slavery that all of us are under if we do not know God, the God of the Bible. Amen. So God never wanted His people to forget that He had rescued them from that dysfunctional house of slavery in order to bring them into His own house the house of freedom. <laughs> and because children were crushed under the weight of that slavery, they, that slavery too, they, they were to be told what God had done to deliver them as well. They, they were to be brought to understand that they were free now, not because of what their parents had done, not because of what they had done, but because of what God had done. And what I love about this story, this story of deliverance, it was to be told to each generation as if they themselves had been there. They they were to tell the story like it was their story. And guess what? It was their story. 
It was every generation in Israel's story and would become the story of every person who attached themselves to the community of God's people throughout those generations. To appropriate it in their lives, they only had to believe it, to trust in God as the one who had brought this deliverance for them. And glory be to God that through Jesus Christ, this story of deliverance is your story too, and it's my story too, only in Jesus. The story has met its fulfillment, such that it is not simply a story of temporal deliverances in this life, but a story of a final deliverance once and for all from all that sin and death has done to us and to this world. I just came to tell somebody today, struggling to find meaning and purpose in their lives, struggling with whether or not God sees them, struggling with whether or not their life matter. I just came to tell you that if your faith is in Christ, you have a story, you have a testimony of deliverance that belongs to you. And all the benefits of that deliverance belong to you. You are nobody's slave anymore. If you actually heard me, you would have you praised God. You are nobody's slave anymore through faith in Jesus Christ. Our personal and collective stories of God's deliverance, they must not be forgotten. Of course, the greatest of those stories is the story of our deliverance from sin and death visibly represented and confirmed to us every time we take the Lord's Supper together. And within this big story, within that big story are all the personal stories and corporate stories in this life of seeing God's deliverances from the things that have to do with death. When I celebrate the Lord's Supper, I am reminded that the God who did this big thing of delivering us from sin and death will one day set us free from all the temporal deliverances of death in this life. I know that when I eat the bread and drink the cup, I'm tasting that future life of no mores. No more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. And it's in light of that that I fight toward those no mores in, this, in living my life in this world. I fight toward no more slavery and no more racism and no more poverty and no more fatherless children and no more abuse of authority and no more abortion and no more broken families and no more violence and no more war. I live toward those things knowing that The death of Jesus has secured for us who are Christians a world where these things will indeed be no more. Every time I eat the bread and drink the cup, I know that I am a part of a story of deliverance that has already come and that will come finally and fully when Jesus returns. Amen, people of God. Remember to whom you belong. Remember from where you have come, remember who is with you. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, let, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. The people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. And Moses took the bones of Joseph Uh, with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you. You should carry up my bones with you from here. They moved from Succoth and 
encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to lead them, uh, to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. And the pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. There was a, there was a more direct route from Egypt uh, to the promised land, the, the one that God uh, led Israel by. However, it would have taken them through the land of the Philistines. And given the, the Philistines likely had their own plans to extend their territory into the land of Canaan, where God was taking his people, going through the land of the Philistines would have meant a war with an enemy that, that was much more powerful than Israel was prepared to battle. Yeah. Yeah. And given, given this reality, uh, one might ask, why Moses says what he says in the second part of verse 18. If Israel was, was equipped for battle, why not lead them to face the Philistines? After all, God had just defeated the most powerful nation on earth at the time. Surely his people would trust him to help them defeat an enemy, any enemy that came their way. But God knew his people. And he knew their weakness and he knew their frailty. Just a couple years later, weary from their wandering in the wilderness and, and conflicts that they had to fight up to that point, they, they would long actually to go back to Egypt. So God knew their hearts, and He knows ours too. And He knows that, that, that in the space between deliverance and the promised land are battles that must be fought with enemies that are too great for us to defeat on our own. Yes, we have been delivered from the power of death, but every day we are called into a battle to put to death those deeds of death that, that, that come from our remaining sin nature and the devil and the world in its opposition to God. And in order to face those enemies, in order to face those enemies, in order to do battle with those forces that are, that are too strong for us on our own, God has to teach us what it means that He is with us. The, 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 the defeat of Egypt testified to this. The, the taking up of Joseph's bones also testified to this, for Joseph had promised that God would indeed visit his people and come to their aid and that they would carry his bones to the land of promise. But if this were not enough, God gave his people a visible sign and confirmation of his presence, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. And as they traveled by day, the cloud led them. And as they traveled by night, the fire led them. And they, they didn't have to worry because when they went to bed at night, the fire was there. And when they woke up in the morning, the cloud was there. What, what, what God was teaching them about facing enemies, about entering into those battles between deliverance from Egypt and rest in the promised land was that he would, what would, he would, what he would later say through Moses in Deuteronomy 36 verse 6, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord who goes with you. He will not leave you, and He will not forsake you. I just came to tell somebody who is in the midst of those battles that the same promise is yours today in Christ. For the Apostle Paul, looking back at this experience and applying it to the lives of Christians, says this, for I do not want you to be unaware, brothers that our fathers were all under the cloud. 
and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. The, 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 one, the one who is, who is with them, who was with them is now with you. You were baptized into him, and all the benefits of, of, uh, and the blessings of that salvation that flow to all who have faith in him is now yours. So when you go to bed, Christ is with you. <laughs> and when you wake up, Christ is with you. And through the power of the Spirit that is now inside of you, he will lead you and he will guide you through all the battles you face as you journey from the deliverance he has won for you to the rest that he has promised you and to all who hope in him. Brothers and sisters, between deliverance and the promised land, there are battles to fight. And those battles, brothers and sisters, are often with enemies that are too strong for us on our own. I don't need to tell those of you who are following Jesus that for you, for you, for you know, you know that following Jesus means spiritual warfare. Yet when you are in the midst of that warfare, remind yourself of what this text and several texts of Scripture remind us. We are not alone. Notice that the text says, notice that the text says that the pillar of cloud and fire would not depart from the people. This is God's faithful promise. Don't let your enemies lie to you. God ain't going nowhere. He ain't absent. He ain't distracted. He ain't sleep. Remember the words of the psalmist in all your battles. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Amen, people of God. Amen, people of God. God's covenant, God's covenant sign and seals. They call us to remember, to remember the things that those signs and seals present and confirm to us. They call us to remember to whom we belong, to remember from where we have come, and to remember who is with us. May God grant us by His Spirit to call these things to mind when we participate in the sacraments, but also in our day-to-day living as we reflect back on what He has done for us in and through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen, people of God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we praise you in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Spirit. For it is you, through the work of your Son, that has brought us up out of slavery. We no longer belong to sin. We no longer belong to death. All that is before us as the people of God is life because of what Christ has done. But we know, God, that we got some battles between here and the promised land. And so we would pray that you would help us through the sacraments you have given us through your word and our prayer. Help us to remember the truths of the covenant 
Help us to remember that we belong to you. Help us to remember from where you have brought us. And help us to remember that you are with us. Father, impress these things on our hearts and our minds and help us to live in light of them, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.